one thing that I've learned in my last 20 years of career and business transition is transition is a journey and you have to keep improving yourself to keep moving forward and when you stop then that's the end so I want to know how others have transitioned their careers and businesses so join me for conversations on change strategy and leadership my name is Samuel T. Reddy. Just say we've got had a lot of interviews, and today these interviews are all virtual, and it seems to be the virtual world since the COVID pandemic kicked in. And maybe this is going to carry on more virtual interviews for that, particularly for jobs. So, how can we ensure we make a strong impact when we're having to use the likes of Zoom to build rapport with an interview? Uh, that's a great question. Um, it is going that way. More and more people I speak to, even though we've come out of lockdown per se, are doing job interviews on Zoom or other virtual networks. And the main thing to do is actually engage with your eyes. We all know about eye contact, but what tends to happen when we are doing virtual interviews is that we might have somebody off to the side. We've got our picture, we've got the person that is interviewing us. And that means, if you think about it, the camera is there, that we're not actually making eye contact with the person we're talking to. We just feel that we're talking to them, but they don't feel we're talking to them. So it's about setting your um, your pictures onto speaker view or pinning the person you're talking to so that they're dead center and making sure that also you've got the camera at around head height, because what happens is if you're above it, so you've got your camera there and you're looking down, you look like you've gone to sleep or you could be subjugating yourself here. You could be looking up to people. So by having the camera at that length, you can look straight at the screen without any problems. Check your backgrounds, blur if you need to. And for lighting, have your computer, if you can, in front of the window so you've got a nice even light and sit up straight. Um, I think that question just went into chat, but I couldn't see what that was. I get um, due to injury, my career has cut short and now don't know what to do. Um, well, we can pass uh, that on. So the question was, my question is, what advice can I get as due to injury, my career has cut short and now don't know what to do. So we will put that out and share that with all the speakers today. And I'm sure that someone uh, will get back to you, Fred. Thank you very much for that question. Thank you indeed as well for that top tips there, Josette, as well. I made a mental note of it all literally be a test. right now, you know, <laughs> not saying any more. If you had Liverpool support, you'd be happy with background. Uh, thank you, indeed. But if you look at the chat, by the way, there's lots of people popping in there saying, please contact us for advice. If you need advice for service leavers, please check out the chat messages and make a note that all our guest speakers are happy to talk to you as well. Right, we're now going to turn our attention to not a service lever as such, but someone that is still affected by the transition to Sibby Street and its military spouse. Kara Ukanif is now an MD of Thrive coach, as well as a military spouse. Kara was an Army Reservist officer. So let's find out more about military spouse to coach. Uh, Thank you for joining us, Kara. Uh, uh, what was it like then, as a spouse, having to deal with all those moves 
over all the years you're involved with the military life and heading to different countries as well. What was all that like for you as a spouse? Well, thank you very much, Percival, for having me here. And thank you, Samuel, as well. This is fantastic. Such a great uh, group of experts here. Um, and I feel I'm on, I'm on a test now as well to look at the camera at the right height. <laughs> um, so, yes, I mean, I've been a military spouse for 20 years and I started off in, in the TA. And so I have a passion for the military. And I think that's been the first thing that has really benefited me is that I understand what my husband does and still does today, currently, what he does for his career. And I truly support and champion him in that career. The moves though, um, and essentially never really moving into Civvy Street for me, I've always been in Civvy Street. And uh, I'm, you know, I am an ambitious and tenacious person, and that has benefited me in terms of mindset. And I think my biggest message in terms of anyone transitioning is consider your mindset, consider your identity, you know, as has been spoken by various speakers before me. I know that it can be a challenge when you move. You know, I've done it 15 times in um the last 20 years five countries and we're currently sitting in paris at the moment beautiful paris um but actually we were in paris uh in 2012-13 and that was this time when i lost my identity as a military spouse i didn't know who i was i lost my voice i wasn't happy i wasn't living with purpose and i had to do a lot of work to put myself back on the map as the, the independent person that I am. And I will add, not the dependent person that the military call me. So I think it's really important that you consider, you know, who you are as a person and what that means for you in your future role in City Street. Did you then have a light bulb moment when you went, do you know what? I've had enough of all this moving around. I haven't got a, a career going for yourself. That you had that light by moment when, do you know what? I'm going to set up my own business, going to become a yeah. coach. Yeah, and when actually that was happened? Paris. That was Paris. That was the light bulb moment where I decided I can sit and feel sorry for myself or I can do something about it. I can blame the military. I can blame my husband or I can do something about it. You know, I've been an entrepreneur since sort of day dot. So I've always bought and sold and run businesses throughout wherever I've been posted. And my ultimate, my ultimate heart really is about making things better for people. That's what I want to do. I just want to make things better for people. And I want people who are transitioning, who are resettling, be that family or military to really thrive and that's where the business was based on thrive coaching I, I i base it on four elements focus growth well-being and adventure and if you take care of those four elements then you will thrive but the critical piece in that is identity the critical piece i work with military who are transitioning and it is a piece that we go back to time and time again it's who you are and who you you know living who you want to become out in the real world as we might term it so you know yes um that was the light bulb moment where i just had to really look at myself and ask myself four questions and I, the four questions are you know and, and these are questions for all of you to think about when you're transitioning what am i good at what do i love doing 
What can I contribute to the world? And finally, what can I get paid for? But if you look at those four questions and you answer them honestly and truly, then you will find a route out. And lastly, I guess it's just to sum up and say, think bigger, think bigger than what you believe. Everybody's spoken about skills and mindset and you know what's possible, anything is possible. So just think bigger. And Cara, would you say then, because you got that mix of being a spouse, mm. your husband's in the military, but also you're an army reservist, do you think combination of that, that puts you in a good, able to give that good perspective of where people can go and being a coach? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, from, from a coach to another coach, I would say breadth of experience is really important. You know, it's not the be all or end all because you're coaching somebody, it's not your life, it's their life, but breadth of experience is very important. Um, and I think that's what's enabled me to work with a diverse group of clients, executives, entrepreneurs, military, transitioning military. So, you know, uh, that breadth of experience and also athletes as, as an endurance athlete. So, you know, tying it together, all of your life experience and seeing it from, you know, the eyes of the employer is really, really important. Well, thank you so much uh, for that, Cara. And it's really interesting to hear your words again, which is about identity. Mm -hmm. That is key. It really is with all the other advice that, that goes around finding your identity. So thank you so much for that. And of course, again, uh, you can find the podcast on Audible and Spotify and on YouTube. And you can search for the Lost Cast Leaders Operating System. So thank you for that. OK, so we now move on to our next speaker. And that is Peter Davis. And uh, you went from military to charity, leaving the army as a warrant officer first class. And you're now regional director Wales for the ABF soldiers charity. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and why the ABF? Um, first and foremost, uh, morning, everybody. There's some familiar faces on here. No surprise, uh, all very positive people. Uh, it's really strange, actually. I know everybody's journey is slightly different. I may not sound it, but uh, I'm a proud Welshman of five generations, one after another, like a disease in my family, to join the army. And, um, you, know, you know, we've all served in different regiments. My grandfather was disgusted. I didn't join the cavalry, but uh, I became a logistician. So, and I remember the advice I was given when I was 21, that uh, when I was joining the army from being in the retail, uh, that from my dad, you know, having a bit of advice of your dad, when you stop enjoying it, leave and leave with a smiling face. Because I think in the modern military, I think we sometimes stay too long. And I think that's down to we're in our comfort zone and it's what defines us, like a lot of people already said. So uh, I was in um, uh, 29 Regiment Royal Logistic Corps. I was um, the Ops Warrant Officer, which is like the most stressing job in the army where you feel like your eyes are burning out every day because you're trying to solve the world's problems. And um, I went in the crew room and had a coffee and I decided my time was up. And most people in my regiment thought absolutely insane. Uh, I was riding the roller coaster. I was a senior soldier in the Corps. I, I had basically two options. I could either commission, which I had no aspirations for. You know, a lot of my friends have, and that's, that's your individual journey. And, um, you know, I 
could have stayed on till I was 55, you know, which is in five years' time, bizarrely. And I just decided, do you know what? You've got to back yourself. And on that day, it may sound like a bit of a cliche, I saw an inspirational quote on Facebook because in an ops room, you're not allowed to look at your mobile phone or anything like that. So when you're in the crew room having a coffee, mind your own business and catching up with the world, um, I saw that quote. And uh, I decided there and then on that spot, completely out of character for me, I, I did the eight clips for freedom, as they call it in the army, and I decided to back myself. And uh, it becomes very, very real, very, very quickly, because going from being a, a guy who's in charge of 300 souls around the world to oh, I better get my ducks in a row. And um, yeah, I don't regret it one bit, actually. Um, you know, I took that advice my dad gave me when I was 21. When, you, when it becomes, you stop enjoying it and your passion's gone for it, you know, back yourself and, and, go, and go for something else. So, so yeah, that was six years ago. Um, I'll be honest, when I decided to leave the army, rather than knowing what I wanted to do, I knew what I didn't want to do. And it's going to sound very strange what I'm about to say. I did not want to do logistics. I'd done it for 23 years. And that's not the advice you'd normally give people. Stick to what you know. But I decided not to do logistics. And uh, I'm a big man uh, that believes you should keep your promises to people. And I was minding my own business. You can see a lot of these lovely places I go to. I was minding my own business, falling off a bike quite a lot in America with one of my best mates. I learned how to cycle, which wasn't my thing. And um, he was raising money for two charities, one Alzheimer's Research and one uh, Ava for charity who I now uh, represent. And uh, I'd agree with some of the comments that I made earlier. You never know who you're speaking to. And I was in the sounds of someone else's mess having a coffee with the rep that dealt with Chris, my mate. And uh, I knew what the charity was. I dealt with military charities before when I was a welfare officer, but I, I didn't really understand what charity was bar raising money for it. I didn't realize there were lots of functions within them charity that have to make it work. And I was money in business, having a coffee and uh, shot off to America, fell off a bike a lot, as I said, came back and I had a missed phone call. And the advice I give here is always follow up because otherwise you never know what opportunity you're going to get. And uh, I had a phone call and the advice I had off this guy who was uh, an ex-sergeant major uh, from the well, uh, from the guards uh, said, there's a job coming up in Wales and it's got your name all over it, Pete. And uh, uh, I'll be honest, very terrifying because perception's a scary thing. And I thought all jobs within the sort of level I was going in at were all retired crusty officers a lot older than me. How wrong was I? because they're not. Um, and uh, I went for the job, applied for it. It was more terrifying than facing the Taliban on the battlefield, to be frank and honest. I felt like I was being interrogated by three people. One of them was a brigadier on my cap badge. But I've got to be honest, I look back, it wasn't terrifying. It was just out of my comfort zone. It was, I've not had an interview for 23 years. And um, yeah, minding my own business, two interviews, interview panels, which were quite intense. I was very, very honest. I'm a very passionate guy. And, uh, you know, I come from the army, it's in my blood. And, um, yeah, six years later, I'm the youngest director of the charity's history, and first from the ranks. So don't think for a minute what rank you were when you're in the military matters. It's what you bring to the party that matters and what abilities you have. So, so yeah, six years later. So uh, I love what I do. Uh, every day is a challenge, but I love challenges, be it running up mountains or actually trying something a bit new and um yeah six years later i'm still smiling 
Um, I think you make a really good point about the networking, about you don't know who you're speaking to, all the things that are going on in chat. Have a look through, or not only the people that are here speaking today, but all the people who are watching are here to support you and to pass on advice and to pass on help. So if you had one final word, what would that be, Peter? It's really weird. I wrote them down because... Um... All I'll say is when you leave, you do leave, you do, you do lose who you are, your identity. Well, that's fine. Uh, it's another, it's a new chapter. You know, your identity is still you and you're about to go into something different. Uh, have a plan, you know, you know, an idiot with a plan will be successful. A genius without a plan will not be successful. It's great advice. You know, have a plan. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent, but uh, you know, have a plan of what it is you want to achieve when you're leaving. Uh, I think mindset is massive. You know, I didn't really understand it when I was in the army. I certainly understand it now. I'm a huge advocate for it. Your mindset has to be in the right place. And then the other things I've got here, network. I'll, I'll be honest, there's two people in my network on here right now who are great friends of mine. Uh, you know, immersing myself in the business world, which is um, it's different, but they value you. They really value you more than you'll ever give it credit for. I'm very lucky. I'm a vice president of one business chapter and I, I'm a, a member of another. A business club which you know every day is a school day you know don't be scared to ask questions because there's no such thing as a silly question so your network is your net worth and then also i'm very lucky i have mentors all the time in all different areas and i try to be a decent mentor to other people because i remember what it was like when i was leaving it's quite a daunting place and just make sure you follow up if you are mentoring somebody or being mentored by somebody and then the last two things on here i noticed there's an rsm on here earlier you'll love this if it is a he uh, don't ever change your standards you know uh, let people meet your standards because actually just because you now don't wear the badge of authority and you leave the army doesn't mean you don't drop your standards. It doesn't mean you drop your standards. Keep your standards, your honesty, your integrity, your loyalty, your respect. That's really, really important. And the last two really, uh, be willing to make mistakes. They're not mistakes, they're lessons. You know, you're going to make mistakes. I guarantee plan A will not work. I pretty much guarantee it. You know, COVID has proven that. I was on plan Z at one point, something. So don't be scared to make mistakes. And the last bit of all, the most important of all, for God's sake, invest in yourself and don't listen to people in the military as you're leaving the military because they're not left the military. So invest in yourself. If it means you have to spend time, money, effort and energy, do it because you're investing in yourself and only that will help you be successful in what it is you do in life. So it's not just one point, it's many points in one. So hopefully that helps somebody. Some fascinating advice there, Peter. Thank you very much for joining us uh, today. We've certainly many we've taken on board what you said there. Really good. If you want to hear more from Peter, you soon be able to, available via the podcasts on Audible, Spotify, and also on YouTube. Just search LOS Cast. Right, we've got our final guest of the day, and that is Michael Lawrence, who served in the army for over 37 years. Uh, despite a difficult start as a private, he gained promotion moving through the ranks and left as a lieutenant colonel, one of only a few of colour to do so over the years. So, Michael, thank you very much for sparing the time to join us today. Uh, give a bit of an experience of your military life in two civilian street uh, first of all michael when you started all those years ago when you signed out over 37 years ago it was a difficult period of time being in the army especially of those of color and how do you overcome those barriers 
uh, that you faced the army when you joined up? Yeah, firstly, thank you for allowing me to speak and contribute to today. Um, very much appreciated. Yeah, so, um, you know, when my journey started was, was in the late 70s. I joined the army in 1979. So the early 80s were quite challenging in that way. And, and not that I want to, you know, make a big deal about it because obviously, you know, I've, I've thrived. I've been successful. I've, I've got through the challenges, but, but it was a different time. And there was um, significant challenges for people of color uh, back at that time. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have some, some, some really good people around me, uh, some people that looked after me, um, some people that um, uh, tried to uh, uh, show me the path to get through uh, in terms of promotion and what I wanted. You know, when I first joined, you know, I, I only joined for three years initially. Uh, because I just wanted to get away from the environment that I was in in East London, which was not a healthy environment. And, you know, how do I do that? And I, I, I thought, join the army for three years. And then, um, you know, you, you, you've, you've earned some money, you've moved away from your area, and you're a little bit older, and you'll be able to then crack on with the rest of your life. Um, and, and despite, you know, uh, like we say, some of the challenges uh, that I experienced, you know, I really, really enjoyed being in the military, and therefore decided that I wanted to continue on and if I wanted to continue on then it was really important that I gained rank uh, because um, um, where I saw you know uh, role models and managers around me and I could take good lessons from them equally there were those around me that I could take um, uh, examples of, of what not to do um, and the only way that I could uh, change that uh, and, and uh, make sure that people around me were being treated the way they should be treated was to be in a position of, of power, was to, to, was to have rank and to be able to manage people, to lead people and to be able to affect their lives. So that's what I kind of, um, that, that's a path that I took myself on. Um, and I was very fortunate, as you say, you know, I got, I become a regimental sergeant major and at that point was able to commission. And then I was very fortunate to, um, to, to, uh, you know, finish my career uh, at the very top as a lieutenant colonel um, and as most people will know as a as a as an, a late entry officer lieutenant colonel is the highest rank uh, that you can achieve and so i was very proud to have done that and um, within the royal regiment of artillery um i can only having looking back through history you know regiment was 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 uh, formed in 1718 i think there's only been uh, certainly when, when I promoted to Lieutenant Colonel, I was only the third late entry officer of colour ever within the Royal Artillery uh, to have achieved that. So anyway, but that, that, that was my journey and uh, I'm very proud of it. So with that journey, 37 years in the Army and that difficult start, all those barriers you had to overcome and everything else, skills that you learned through the time, did that put you then, Michael, in good stead when you left the army, made that decision after having so many years there to go into Sibby Street? Yeah, so one of the other challenges was education. You know, I left school at 15, no qualifications whatsoever. You know, really sort of, I suppose, you know, in the vernacular of, you know, thick as mints, I suppose. Um, and uh, it was very clear to me that, that I needed to educate myself. The army was great for that. It was a great environment for being able to be educated. And I really went on that journey, particularly when I was an officer. So I look at my soldier life as lots of experience, um, 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 going lots of places, you know, understanding myself as a person. Um, but then later on, you know, as an officer, I really um, looked at gaining qualifications, uh, academic qualifications, uh, and, and trying to sort of better myself in that way, to develop myself in that way. 
I was very fortunate because the last five years of my career, I spent in Army HQ in Andover. And uh, one as an SO2 ground-based air defense, and uh, latterly then as, the, as an SO1 uh, strategy in um, the Army basing team. Both of those roles were very much customer-facing roles. So firstly, I was able to gain lots of qualifications such as you know, portfolio management, project management, et cetera, et cetera, management of risk, lots of good qualifications that can be used right across different industries. Um, but also you learn the language that you need to speak when you're speaking outside of the military. And being in those customer facing roles uh, enabled me to uh, really, really network. And I will absolutely double down on what everyone else has said. Networking is absolutely key. Pretty much everyone that I know that works in uh, um, whatever industry and is doing well, et cetera, pretty much everyone I know got that job through some form of networking. I don't know anyone that went down to the job center and that then resulted in them getting that job. So networking is absolutely key. Yeah, so um, I was very fortunate in that way because I felt that it really prepared me. So I went through you know, career transition partnership and all the rest of it, absolutely fantastic. Uh, and, and hats off to those people that do that, brilliant. Um, but, but I was already preparing myself well before I was out uh, under being able to, to talk the talk as well as walk the walk. Um, so for me, that worked out really, really well. Um, my first job um, when I come out was uh, with DSTL. Uh, Bonnie, we've not met, but hi, uh, was with DSTL uh, uh, at Port and Down. And I was there for 18 months in their uh, counter-terrorism division and uh, absolutely loved it. Fantastic organization, fantastic people, great. Um, and straight away there, I started to learn in terms of, you know, you've got some really, really intelligent people. You've got scientists, you've got technicians, you've got engineers. Then when I got invited, I was, I was in DSTL for about 18 months and I got invited uh, to join uh, MBDA, which is a company I'm currently, currently in. So MBDA is a global missile defense company, uh, the largest missile manufacturer is in uh, Europe, you know, workforce of, you know, global workforce of over 12,500. Four and a half thousand of those being in the UK, absolutely huge company, um, full of engineers, full of really clever people. And one of the things I would say to people is, when you enter these spheres of work, you know you're coming from a military background, and normally they want you because you come from a military background. So don't try and be an engineer, don't try and be a technician because that that you know those are the people that surround you. But 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 there are loads of those people, and they are employed to do that. So, so come in, understand what your value is, understand why they want you, what you have to offer, and then you know, put that into your work so you can advise the engineers. You, know, you can take these people on a practical journey. You know, there's a big difference between you know, designing something on a piece of paper or computer-aided uh, device um, to the point that it's actually being manufactured. Uh, 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 there's a big difference between that and the actual practical uses in the battlefield. You know, to say, you know, I've used equipment that you've built, you know, during such and such a conflict or an operation around the world. And, you know, uh, 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 and being able to bring the reality to the people that are that are making uh, this equipment or trying to manufacture this equipment. So there's a huge role for you to play because in some ways and one of the one of the key roles I see is because I'm very lucky. So so. So, so, you know, the units that I work with, I'm in a customer facing role as a business executive. So the units that I work with are units that I've served in. You know, there's lots of people that I know, you know, that, that I grew up with that I, you know, some of them are really good friends of mine. 
So one of my really important roles and something I hold dear is that I effectively hold my business to uh, hold it to account. So, you know, if, if, if something was happening and something was being delivered or, or developed and, you know, to my mind, it wasn't quite right. And, you know, maybe the soldiers getting ripped off a little bit here, then I would absolutely highlight that and sort of call them out for that. And normally it's not deliberate. It's just that they didn't know, but then that's the reason that you want ex-military in these organizations. There's a great community as well, ex-forces community, especially in defense, uh, absolutely fantastic. And we all bounce off each other and help each other along. Just very quickly, Michael, just one final question coming from Paul Sterling. I think you touched on it there. Is it a case of earliest is best when deciding on your next career choice? Uh, you know what? You know what? It's really difficult. And I know Paul as well. <laughs> uh, it's really difficult. But, but a lot of people say to me, is, is the grass greener on the other side? And my answer is always the same. The grass is greenest where you nurture it. So it's not about jumping early or jumping late. It's whatever suits you and your family at that particular time. There's no right or wrong answer. You could jump early and make a successful career. You could jump late and make a successful career. It all depends on what you want out of life at that particular time. I was enjoying my army life right up to the 37th year. So not a problem. But as someone mentioned before, Paul, I think, you know, if you're, if you're at an earlier stage than that and not enjoying it, then, then get out and do something different. It's a big world out there. There's lots of employment for military personnel. There's lots of people that want military skills. Uh, and it's an exciting world. You know, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm, I'm, I'm living the best time of my life. But to be honest, I have done since I've joined the army. I've been extremely fortunate. All right, Michael Lawrence, thank you very much for joining us and okay. have a good rest of the day. Some sound advice there. There's uh, quite an inspiring uh, line of speakers here. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm just sitting there, I'm, 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 I'm taking notes. <laughs> right so because each and one of you give us something that's unique and i think as you would re have realized here each and every one of us have a very different transition and the thing is i have been studying transitions for about 20 25 years now i left my home country mauritius who was battled by a cyclone yesterday when i was age 22 and i am not done with uh, reinventing myself i've got 20 years left to go to work and but what you have learned from here today, whether you've left the military five years ago or whether you are uh, thinking of leaving, is to realize that the most important thing. So you see, you can have a you can have a CV. A CV gets you a job. A CV can get you a career. But when you find your calling and you, you have heard from HR speakers here, they have they got their calling in life. They wake up every day knowing what to do. And there's nothing better than going to bed on a tough day, knowing that you've done something great today. So that's my day. And you've seen from all our speakers today, how they are inspiring into life, how they are. If you're looking for inspiration, that's where to go. And the funny thing of all, this year will be my last year of transitioning from the military, if I was still in. So I, I'm here sitting down thinking, if I was to leave the military today, what would I do? Well, basically, what I felt I would probably do is get to find out what has been done and what can be done. So let's sum up what we've learned today. I mean, I mean, James talked about maintaining your standard. Your, your integrity, loyalty is very important. As you move away from your military career, remember who you are. I mean, I won't be here today if I wasn't for, for the military. My leadership skills come from the military. My companies will try sources. 
That's because I want to preserve that identity. We'll talk about that again. The identity is very important. It's very easy for you to lose your identity when you transition. You know, when I left the military, I wasn't sure where I was. Was I a Mauritian guy? Was, it, was I an ex-soldier? You know, would people respect me in my home country for what I did or what I served? Well, your identity is about you and you have to spend time forming and developing your identity. And that will change again. You know, I always say to people that you're, when you leave the military, your next job is certainly not your next career. You know, you will go out there and I'll say to people, get in the corridor, find yourself in a corridor where you want to be. And from then you will find doors opening from left to right. We've learned about uh, identity from Paul. We learned about how to education is very important. I mean, Paul talked about something that's very interesting, which is three in one. And I was listening to him today and I got this in front of me. We did an event in Birmingham with Professor uh, uh, Martin Livermore earlier this year, and I was given one of those. I think we all know that, right? We got a spoon, we got a knife there, and we got a fork. That's a three in one that we need to be in the civic street. You know, you can't just be a logistician. You cannot just be a, a, a physical instructor. You got to have the three in one skills. That's what the marketplace needs. That's the, what the marketplace demands nowadays. Uh, Alan talked about networking and building your network. You have to nurture your relationship. You know, going out the military, if you know you're leaving, start getting into contact. Just Don't just set, send LinkedIn requests. I get loads of people on my requests. Get with the people, send them a message, connect with them, spend time. I, I have mentors in my life and I buy them lunch and dinner because I want to know what I do not know. Right, so pick up the tab, spend time with your people. Thirdly, Mal, Mal Robinson talked about leading opportunities and that's very key, that's why he did. You know, From a guy who was just like me, a mover in the RAF, he, he has been following up on opportunities. You, know, you, have, you might know someone today, but two years from now, if you nurture that relationship, you can knock his door and say, hey guys, I need some help. I want to go into publication. I want to go into this and that. Could you help me? I promise you they will say yes. Sean, well, I've, I've, I've known Sean for many years now, a very positive guy. Sean said something very interesting. Do not be afraid to fail. I have failed many times. I mean, I mean, coming out of the military for Commonwealth people, as you'll hear on the news, is not easy. You know, not only we have to fight for immigration visa. I mean, if I was to leave the military today, after 22 years, I got a wife and three daughters. Now, I don't know about you, the oldest is 16 years old, and that's a hell of a responsibility. So you have to really plan in advance, but do not be afraid to fail. We've heard from uh, uh, Bonnie. Bonnie talked about challenging yourself. You know, he left Z uh, Tanzania and he has continuously challenged himself. And I'm pretty sure, just like me, he's got 20 more years to go and he's gonna be finding more challenge on his way and he's gonna push himself out of his comfort zone. Education is very, very key. Professor Martin Livermore talked about lifelong learning. And I think he's well positioned to talk about that because you got to, you know, never, uh, never let your schooling get in the way of your education, right? Remember that, never get your schooling. If you had A-levels, no A-levels, uh, degrees, no degrees, never let your schooling get in the way of your education. You can always improve, you can always invest on you. Cara, well, I've known Cara for many years, we've done business together. Cara talk about think bigger. Yes, 
you have got to think bigger because there's no way on earth a little guy like me from Mauritius, a small island, can be here today if I didn't think bigger, you know. Pete, Pete, talk about uh, following up with people and invest in yourself. We've heard that so many times today from all of us today, all the speakers, we've all talked about investing on yourself. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm powered by, by what three words just left the military. That is, be the best. But add my own things to that. Be the best and be nothing less. That's how, why I wake up every morning. You know, I, I'm about to do some, some humanitarian work in Mauritius. Uh, with the cyclone where I help children from poor background to get education. You know, I serve this country and I serve my home country. So if I can do it, you can do it too. Michael, Michael talk about nurturing environment. I mean, I mean, he's the right guy to talk about that. You have got to build relationship from the inside out. You know, there are three types of relationship. The network you have at work is your operational network. You have to connect with your people. You have to develop strong bond with people inside your network. But most importantly, build network from the outside. These are the third people on LinkedIn, people that you don't know, you know, the boss of the boss, right? If I was to be an engineer today, I would go and connect to the highest engineer possible. The CEOs, I would connect with them and talk with them because your CV, when he land on his desk, he wants to know, oh, that guy, he's on my LinkedIn. That's how I chat with him. That's how you get through. That's how I made my way from, from moving from so far, I have eight careers, eight successful careers, had two failures. But it wasn't through the fact that I actually put myself connecting from level one, level two, level three people on your LinkedIn. So what's next, people? Well, what's next? You've heard it today. As from today, I'm releasing uh, the podcast with all the speakers today. And we don't have just 12 podcasts. I've talked with so many people. I have a guy coming up soon on my podcast from military to pilots. Imagine that. He was my staff sergeant in the, in the RLC, and he's now a commercial pilot. I have a guy who was in the military, uh, again, Carl Smith, uh, who is now a police officer. I have a guy, I have a person who is a, was a military and now is a lawyer. We have got military to finance advisor, you know, someone in the financial industry. We have somebody who, is, who was in the military and is now a magician. Amazing, imagine, think about that. I would love to have him here with us today. So a guy who served in the military, but he's now going out for, uh, in, in corporate world and doing tricks and magics. We have a guy who left the military who is now an engineer. So all of these podcasts, I have got 25 of them. They could be released as from today. And today the first podcast is um, with uh, Paul Chiddle, who served in the Royal Navy and he's now the uh, uh, a human resource management for BAE. So that's out there already. Go on LOS Cast. You can find it on, on, um, on uh, Audible. It's all free. It's on Spotify and on YouTube. Uh, look for LOS Cast. So what's uh, um, next on top of that? But as from uh, the next couple of weeks, I'll be focusing my time this year to bring you more and more role models mentors that's what we like that's what i like when i left the military so all these guys here today i have contact with all of them i know all of them personally they're going to be there to advise you they're going to be your role model they're going to be your mentor to help you move on forward in your life so this is kind of reaching the end of this uh, uh, amazing conference now leave us leaders is out there on amazon in 17 countries you can go and get your copy 
But by all means, reach out to all of us, reach out to me. You have my emails and let's connect and let's go out there, be the best and nothing less. Thank you very much.